My name is Natasha Collins and I am the host of NZ Real Estate, which includes its members club, planners and property investors to come and build a profitable property portfolio that completely aligns with their goals. Let me let you into something. This week, the members club doors are open. So if you want to be a part of my members club, then you need to go to www.ncrealestatememembersclub.com. I am going to put the link to that below. That again, this week only, the doors are only open until the 20th of November and then that's it, we're closed for the year. So if you want to be a member in my members club, you're going to have to click the link www.ncrealestatememembersclub.com to join now. Okay, today I have somebody really, really, really exciting on my podcast. I have got Greg Hunt. We know each other through working on the commercial property management modules together at UCM. Hi, Greg, how are you doing? Really well, thank you. Yeah, all good. (laughs) So as I've just said, we work together, don't we, on the property management modules. We have just, at the time of this going out, we will have just finished marking. So then we're on to exam time and into Christmas. Greg, you also examine on the APC? I do. Um, I've literally just finished chairing uh, for the Royal Institution of Chartered Surveyors. And uh, we were at a football ground uh, doing interviews recently. Yeah. Football ground? Yeah, we were at the uh, Villa the Villa Park Stadium. <laughs> That's where they hire. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, it was it was really good. I was trying not to be distracted by the view of the football pitch. Um, you know, it's a serious process, but no, it's really good to be involved in the uh, assessment of professional competence process mm-hmm. and doing the hour interviews for candidates. Yeah, mm-hmm. I bet that's really re- rewarding. I've never got as far as being on the panels. I have a couple of candidates who I mentor, but that's about as far as I've I've gone with it. It's intriguing. It's great. It's wonderful to be able to bring out the best in people and, um, you know, ensure that standards are upheld for the profession. Mm -hmm. And um, it's really interesting seeing people come through and develop. So I love being a part of it. And as well as that, of course, you're a surveyor and you work for Clem Dobson Associates. Yeah, it's a property management niche. Uh, there are eight of us in the Clem Dobson Associates team and um, really, really enjoying it. Uh, we, we literally focus on the management. We're able to concentrate on that. We're able to bring in a whole host of co- uh, consultants and other experts to cover the whole array that is required in respect of commercial property. Mm-hmm. Um, as I say, it's good to be able to focus on the property management element and then bring in best placed individuals to really make a difference in the whole arena of property of the property world. So how did you get to where you are now in your career? Okay, um, after finishing school, uh, I didn't know what to do. So I did a geography degree. Same with me. There we go. And um, after a good year of colouring in, um, I did another another two years in, in terms of seriously honing my um, just degree uh, skills. It was mine was a BA on geography degree, 
And after that three-year course, I could have done anything. So I had work experience with a lawyer, with a planner, um, with a farmer, etc. But the surveyor was really, really interesting. And he piqued my interest in terms of the variety of work, no two days being the same, and getting involved with property. So I did a one-year full-time MSc Master's uh, at University of Reading. Yeah. Uh, Reading University and uh, that was my MSc in land management a really really intensive year yet ultimately extremely rewarding and it covered all the areas that you'd expect in terms of property law construction valuation uh, um, planning and uh, investment mm-hmm. and then after my MSc Uh, we had a whole array of property consultants and client-side companies come and visit us, and they sold their wares, so to speak. (laughs) Um, They were keen to pick the best, so they didn't pick myself initially. (laughs) No, I joke, I joke. But they all all came along, and um, it was really good to hear what was important for them in terms of the best candidates, et cetera, who they were looking for. Um, I joined a company called Slough Estates mm-hmm. PLC at the time. They're now called Segro. Um, they were the largest industrial landlord in Europe, um, and they're still uh, pretty active in terms of industrial portfolios. And I joined their graduate training scheme, and I was with them um, for over five years um, they actually built out the Slough Trading Estate, and it's the first power station in the world um, for the Mars uh, factory back in um, second, well, just before the Second World War. So, uh, yeah, that was my background and my experience, and a good industrial uh, production warehouse and business properties. Um, and they, they thrived on that. They still do really, really well on that. Um, I I then uh, moved on to experience with property consultancies uh, in the UK, uh, Donaldson's, Jones, Lang, LaSalle and CBRE. Mm -hmm. But I had um, really good experience uh, that was different to having been client start aside where Slough Estates owned the estates and the property and mainly industrial property. And at Donaldson's, for instance, I acted on behalf of WH Smith and Barclays. Mm -hmm. So two really fast-moving retailers. It was vital for them that the retail could always flourish. The property was obviously second second string to their core business. And as far as they're concerned, everything just needed to take place so that their retail shop front could flourish and they could earn money. Um, so really fast moving, huge programs for alterations, for adding value, for getting rid of vacant space. Um, and we were looking at the, the whole array of um, saving money and trying to add value. Um, and I think that's such a critical area, whether it's residential or commercial, it's all about saving money and adding value. Mm-hmm. Jones Lang LaSalle, Um, I acted on behalf of insurance and pension companies. Um, 
people may have heard of them, but LaSalle Investment Management hold um, a number of funds who decide to put a percentage of their money into property. They put that percent mainly into commercial property and they obviously need property managers. So we were there ensuring there was no risk with regard to the properties in these funds. You would have funds that consisted of garden centres. You would have funds that would consist of the glossiest, largest, multi-let office properties in the big cities. A really, really good mix. And then uh, because of that, I was actually headhunted by CBRE and I was asked to do the same and lead the Birmingham team at CBRE for CBRE Global Investors. So I was doing exactly the same at CBRE, but it was for CBRE Global Investors. And we acted on behalf of 21 out of their 24 funds. For the likes of people like um, Shell, so your workers at Shell, Petroleum, you know, they put all their money aside in their pension. Mm-hmm. That's proportion of that's going into property, commercial property world, and you've got the property managers acting acting on their behalf. They had um, a number of leisure sites, cinemas and retail. They had industrial estates. They had office properties. They had retail parades. You, na- you name it, shopping centres. They, they, they had it. Um, so it's great experience. And we had the whole array of issues, as you can imagine, as a result. Um, briefly, I had an opportunity about two years before I left CBRE, whereby um, it was said to me, we needed to make the whole position more profitable. We need to ensure that our EBITDA, earnings before depreciation, tax and all the rest of it, uh, was as high as possible. And therefore, those clients that had individual assets or we thought we couldn't get new biz- more new business from them, or we couldn't cross-sell to other departments, you know, let, let's get rid of them, and let, let's focus on new business where we can really add value and make a lot more money. Um, so this was called tail-end work, and I thought, right, okay, this is my opportunity. So um, I agreed with CBRE that I could manage all the tail-end work and ultimately, I was able to take it wherever I wanted. Wow. So um, this has been great. All those clients are still with me. Um, I've got some really fascinating properties, and we're growing the portfolios with those clients and uh, trying to create a trusted uh, position over time mm-hmm. and trying to add value and save money for those clients. Um, and that, that's what I'm doing now. We're growing uh, the portfolios of those clients. I've taken on a few new clients and uh, really trying to spot some opportunities and uh, get the best position for them. So that's my my background. So exciting. Such a, a varied career, but it kind of all adds up looking forward to where you are now. So you specialise mainly in commercial. So what are the benefits of investing in commercial property? I think um, your attitude to risk is critical in life, Mm -hmm. in investment, in what sort of character type you are. (laughs) 
And whatever character type you are, whatever your attitude to risk, there's an opportunity for you. And if you have got a really, really um, safe attitude to risk, then in commercial property, there could be the investment for you, but you might not be looking at such a high return. Mm-hmm. If you're a bit of a risk taker, fine. You know, you might be looking at a void. You might be looking at dodgy covenant strength. You might be looking at occupiers who they're not even sure what they're doing. So how are you going to know whether they're going to be ultimately successful or not? But potentially the yields the, it could could be incredible and it could be an amazing return. Normally the investments are priced accordingly. But if you're ultimately really, really safe, you're not prepared to take any risks in life, you're going to go with bonds, okay, in mm-hmm. terms of your investments. Mm-hmm. If you're an incredible risk taker, but ultimately you don't want your money to really, really work for you, you know, let it, let it do its own thing. You might look at equities, but in terms of commercial property, hands-on approach or give it to a skilled property manager and there are ultimately amazing rewards to be had. Why commercial property? Because I would argue the ad hoc income potential and the potential risk reward. So there's a lot of rewards that you cannot have with regard to bonds, you cannot have with regard to equities. If you're prepared to be hands-on directly, or if you're prepared for a property manager to be hands-on for you, Mm -hmm. but you give them a strategy of what you ultimately want to achieve, commercial property is your answer okay well yeah commercial property is the most strategic type of property i always get super excited (laughs) about talking about this stuff because there's so many different things that you can do and greg just quickly to clarify why do we look at covenant strength so income is your value Mm -hmm. and certainty and security of income is ultimately giving you your valuation on your property and what mortgage or what you could borrow against the property. So in different parts of the world, obviously income and covenant strength is um, talked about in different ways. In the UK, we'll call it grade A covenant strengths. And there are loads of different platforms that monitor it, whether it's Experian or Dun & Bradstreet or anything like that. However, ultimately, if you can pretty much guarantee um, that a company is going to stay, they're going to be good for the money, you've got a secure return on your investment. And you can obviously use that to further invest, or you can use that to expand and grow your existing property um, mm-hmm. portfolio. So in- income's critical and the security of that income. Uh, hand on hand vital Mm -hmm. okay great so for people who are listening that's what you are going to be looking at covenant strengths really important for the investment value of commercial property so then now let me ask where do you see the best returns at the moment uh this (laughs) this is an (laughs) ultimate ultimate question so um can we 
be get our crystal balls out and predict the future no, no. however however so this is my without prejudice <laughs> without prejudice <laughs> comments so i get my crystal ball out 2019 2023 i am of the view that we would look at Industrial yep. is our superstar return game changer. Mm-hmm. But 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 not all industrial. Not okay. all industrial. The right industrial. Okay. These are general comments. Industrial, yep. then office, then retail warehouse, then retail. Bottom of the list for me, shopping centers. Oh. Do you know controversial? It's controversial, but it would it I don't know if you are like me in that I always rummage through the auction catalogs. Commercial auction catalogs are like my thing. Every time I see one come up, I can see that they're bottom of the pile for mo- for a lot of investors who are offloading at the moment because they are coming to auction with some ridiculous gross yields. I saw one that sold actually in Scotland for a 53% gross initial yield. There are some incredible retail opportunities for the right savvy investors who have got an extremely high risk return profile. They've got cash, ideally. Mm -hmm. They've got proof of funds. They're in a position to take a gamble. Mm -hmm. They could do quite well. In terms of covenant strength and everybody we're seeing having difficulties difficulties at the moment, CVAs, um, takeovers, mergers. There are a lot of high street retail names. Who knows what the next few years brings? In ter- I, we'll probably come on to it shortly mm-hmm. in this. In- but um, for a lot of reasons that we might come on to, um, industrial and office are going to be hot and can you just quickly explain the difference between retail warehousing and retail? Sure. Um, again, in the UK, the planning policy was um, get a load of the larger retailers off the high street. Uh, in years gone by, it was have a separate separate financial zone on the high street. So generally banks are grouped together and have separate smaller retail parades and smaller retail units. All the larger um, home store, um, garden type product, um, even larger electronic stores should be in retail warehouses. So it's effectively a a warehouse, um, lower overheads, and they're normally on out of town Mm -hmm. locations. Uh, rather than retail parades and self-contained retail units on the high street. Okay. So based upon your previous answer, what's your preference then? Office, retail or an industrial? Do we have you just told us yeah, what that um, is? <laughs> I would I I would recommend industrial, um, but specific industrial in the right location and um you could do extremely well. A few other people are aware of that as well, unfortunately. (laughs) (laughs) So everybody's fighting over the same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So where, how do you find good commercial investments then? So this is a great question. Um, 
attend commercial property auctions. Mm -hmm. Get a feel for what is going, what price, what level. Get immersed in the market in terms of what you like, what you're interested in. Review local commercial agents' websites and follow up on boards, letting boards, sale boards, give them a call, have a chat about it. What is good about it? What's not good about it? What is the area like? How's the area going to develop over the next few years? Read the property press, look at property websites, check out Estates Gazette Interactive and Property Week, two really good um, sources of information in the UK. Um, immerse yourself in the market. It's all about getting to know what is going and what is going at what level. And it changes over time. It changes in respect to the locality. So one of the things that people say to me is, well, I couldn't possibly phone a commercial surveyor. Why would they want to talk to me? And I say, well, they are just like us, in which case we do normally like to have a conversation with people. If you, if, if someone bothers picking up the phone to you to ask you questions about the local market, you're not going to hang up on them, are you? They're just the sort of people we'd be delighted to speak to. Yeah. And often it's going through the process and... I would hope that most of my colleagues, most of the people within the property world would have you know, serious respect for anybody who is entering the property arena. Mm-hmm. Um, in exactly the same way, if I'm buying a car or if I'm going uh, to you know, look at a, a new home or something like that, you know, I'd, I would expect the professional to ensure that I had best advice. It's exactly the same in the commercial world. Mm-hmm. So what do new commercial investors need to watch out for when buying a commercial investment? So ultimately, um, the legal position is critical. Is the property freehold or is it leasehold? So number one, have you got control of the asset? Have you got full control of the asset or is it nine nine year? Is it a nine hundred ninety nine year lease or a ninety nine year lease? Is somebody else ultimately um, in in a position whereby you're having to report to them and potentially you're having to pay charges or other things to them? So number one, is it freehold or is it leasehold? Number two, are there hidden costs? So I mean rates on void properties. So in the commercial property world, industrial rates kick in after six months on empty properties. Retail and office after three months. What about utilities? What about insurance? What about service charge? Um, But ultimately, freehold, leasehold is critical. Um, Once you've got a tenant in, or if there's a tenant at the moment, are they on a full repairing and insuring lease or an internal repairing and insuring lease? If it's internal repairing and insuring and you're the landlord, you're the owner, then you're responsible for the external envelope. That could be really costly if the external envelope is falling down um, or is like a cheese, like a patchwork quilt. So I advise all investors look at a building survey look at a condition report, look at as much information you can get with regard to any property you're going to purchase. 
it will bear dividends um, before you actually pay the money and find out, oh my goodness me, it's actually over a mine shaft. Uh, and in the same way, um, you know, you, you're, you're going to be in trouble then. Obviously, there are insurances in place, but be prepared. It's worth the time looking at the legal position and getting the documentation you need. So should we talk about why good tenants are so valuable? And I guess this also, based upon the last question, it kind of ties into commercial leases. That I think this will all just run into one another. But first up, let's talk about why good tenants are so valuable. And then we can talk about how the leases that they're on also add to that value. Okay, so we talked about income before and income goes straight onto the capital value. And we talked about covenant strength and it being um, so important. And the rule, of, the rule of thumb for any surveyor is three or four times the um, passing, um, you know, three or four times the net profit mm-hmm. of the company meets the rent passing. Um, so having a tenant that covers the rent in that way is, is paramount and those tenants should be, I was going to say loved and uh, you should have really good communication with them. Why? Because of, why? Because of the time spent, the time and effort to, as well as cost, to go out there, remarket the unit, get another occupier in. Um, all too often people say, oh yeah, I'll easily remarket, I'll easily get another occupier in, by which time three, six months void has taken place, you've got all the costs as well as marketing, a bit of uh, utilities, rates when it comes along. Um, it's really, really important. Uh, you, you look after your occupiers. More often than not, um, if you get to know the occupier really well, then you haven't got control of them with regard to the lease covenants, but you'll have a really good relationship when it comes to repairs being required or if there are any issues with regard to the user or they've done something naughty and not realised what they've done, whether it's with regard to user or whether they've sublet a little bit of the space to somebody else and you know the lease prohibits them from doing that. So... It's really important to know your occupier, especially if they're, as you say, a good tenant. (laughs) Good tenant, very valuable. You always want that communication. Landlord and tenant relationship is the biggest thing you can work on, but it's also really easy, isn't it, to work on a landlord and tenant relationship? Oh, and it's really easy to ignore people as well. So it's like, speak to them, communicate, um, and... You cannot put a value against regular property visits. When I say regular, yes, you don't want to disturb their business, but a couple of times a year, know what they're doing, know where their business is going. More often than not, you're going to have an occupier who's going to want more space. Um, You know, you, you cross fingers, they're successful. And ultimately... In my experience, often they are. They're looking for more space and you can work with them and hopefully grow with them. So look after your occupiers, they'll look after you. Mm-hmm. So let's move on to commercial leases then. B, 
Because I always say, whenever you're going to look to buy a commercial property, if there's a tenant in situ, read the lease. But you, I preach on about this, but you go for it. Why is it so important to read a lease before buying a property? The lease is everything over and above the title. We've talked about the title. We've talked about freehold or leasehold. Mm -hmm. The lease is next. What is included? Is it full repairing and insuring or is it internal repairing and insuring? This is critical. Does it have clauses such as you must put this property into repair? So an active clause whereby the occupier at all times has got to ensure the property is tip top. Obviously, from an investor's perspective, from the landlord's perspective, if you're the investor, that's wonderful. From a tenant's perspective, that, that's pretty horrendous. So normally keep in repair. But the main elements of that lease, such as break options, the alienation clause, whether you can assign, whether you can underlet, a rent review, whether it's open market, staged increases, or in line with the retail price index or consumer price index. These are critical things. And whether the lease has service charge at the end in the schedules, and whether there's rights within the schedules as well to park cars or to go over the neighbor's, neighbor's land or to put to telecoms communication on the roof. You know, if, if, if you don't know what your, roof, uh, what, it, what your lease is saying, you're in danger it's it's critical but the other thing is is that actually when you read a commercial lease it's not in gobbledygook right if you read it a couple of times you should be I was able about to, to cough <laughs> you should be able to no, i was going to say with laughter with laughter initially you're looking at it and you're thinking oh my goodness what is this gobbledygook this is horrendous i don't understand any of it like the alienation clause it says Right, you cannot assign, you cannot sublet. And then a few words later, it's probably going to be saying, well, actually, you can, but it's subject to this, that and the other. Mm -hmm. And so, and also what you find in commercial leases, some of the first couple of pages, maybe not the first one, but maybe page two and three has definitions of words as well. So if you get used to going through the lease, highlighting a word, going back to the start, reading what it means and keep going through, nine times out of 10, you will get majority of the key points and anything else that you don't get, either ask the commercial surveyor who's acting on your behalf or ask your solicitor. It is so important that you actually understand what the tenant's rights are, what the landlord's rights are, and what the lease says, because otherwise you can miss some key money-making activities, actually. This is not small print. It's not something you just ignore um, this is a legal document a contractual agreement and if you're a party to to that you need to know every word of it mm -hmm. i agree so looking forward to the future what changes do you think we're going to see going forward in the commercial property market and again we're lifting our crystal balls out and putting it firmly on the desk we don't 100 percent know what's going on but what can you start to feel? What direction are we moving in? This is where I go back to industrial and offices being critical uh, going forward. And in terms of 
home working to a lesser extent mm -hmm. and using our own spaces. So um, it's all about flex space. It's all about the sustainable agenda and it's all about regulation. Mm -hmm. So what do I mean by those? Uh, flex space and it's all over commercial property uh, agenda at the moment. So whether it's uh, serviced office providers, um, there's lots of names out there. I'm not going to promote them, um, but, but they're in all, all the major cities. And you're looking at all-inclusive leases for lots of occupiers. Occupier goes in, they can fit out their bit of space however they want. They can just pay an overall rate for the amount of time that they want to use that space and what services they want to use in the property. It's quite a nice modern solution to fast-paced, busy, busy position. But we're seeing lots of office space, therefore, being refurbished and fitted out for serviced office office occasion um, office um, space on the basis of its flexibility. In line with that, the huge um, attractiveness of online shopping has meant that not only has white man delivery van driver been really, really busy, but he's got to come from somewhere. So regional industrial hubs in terms of distribution centres and in terms of smaller um, regional hubs as well. Um, so you're now seeing a huge amount of companies taking up to three years certain industrial leases on the basis that those industrial spaces can be used as freight forwarding centers um and that is all the rage i don't see it stopping um mm. in terms of the amount of trade county units stroke storage and warehousing use and then unfortunately parts of the demise of the high street i see them hand in hand so quite impressive industrial distribution against online retail it's a huge area um sustainable agenda it was just to say it's not going away everyone's more and more interested in uh reusing power however the, however they want to do that and um clever um sustainable initiatives in terms of how properties are built and how they work on a day-to-day -day basis. And lastly, lastly, for me, um, regulation, it's, again, it's not going away. Mm -hmm. um, commercial property, and in particular, property management, has probably been um, left to its own devices for a long time. And more recently, it's become at the forefront of being a service. And some people have thought they're not getting the service they should um so there's been a huge amount of pressure groups on particular governments and that's having an effect on the commercial property um industry but your responsible property manager and your responsible commercial um company would you know be able to take care of that very easily for you to be honest, I'm glad we have regulation changes and increases because it get rid it gets rid of 
the rogue players and paves the way for actually quite a honest industry, which has, I would say, one of the biggest key topics that people speak to me about a lot. So I'm, I'm glad we're moving in that direction. I think that's a great comment. You know, it takes away your cowboys and you become part of a trusted profession. And that was the whole trying to uphold the standards of the profession. Um, yeah, could not agree more. So Greg, final, final question. And this is something that we take outside of work because we need to talk about work-life balance and every surveyor's life, we're all super busy and we run around. And I want to talk to you just very quickly because you do something also on the side, which always impresses me when I see it on Instagram. You have a farm. So can we talk about your work-life balance and how that works for you just quickly before we end? I saw a recent survey uh, where Microsoft had done an experiment with their workers and um, they all did a four-day week. And as a result, they're 20% more productive. Mm -hmm. So I can tell you, I'm at least 20% more productive because uh, my Monday to Thursday, I do my commercial property surveying and I love it. Yeah. And it's fantastic and I really enjoy it. And then my Fridays and often the weekends and a little bit other time, um, 10 years ago, we invested in pasture land on the edge of our village. Uh, we planted over 700 fruit trees, heritage varieties uh, in North Worcestershire in the UK. Um, we sell apple juice and honey. We're now in 15 root, uh, retailers and we do bespoke events, shows, fireworks, Christmas, farmers markets. I'm doing... Um, training courses and experiencing uh, experiences, including pruning trees and beekeeping, keeps me um, excited with the whole offering that life has. And it's a complete ant antipathis uh, to, you know, commercial property world. I love commercial property, um, but, but it's just as exhilarating and interesting uh, trying to be calm with 50,000 bees in front of your face. Oh, it honestly looks amazing. And the apple, apple juice tastes delicious. So um, if you want a taste of the English countryside, I'm going to, you have an Instagram, don't you? Which I love to follow. My plug is at Fruitfields Juice. <laughs> so uh, if you're interested at all, at Fruitfields Juice for Facebook, Instagram, that's, uh, that's our bit of fun. And it's one not to miss. When I... When I'm like, I need a little bit of the English countryside, I look at Greg's Instagram. <laughs> I'm like, yes, Fields. <laughs> so, Greg, we're going to wrap up there. But thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. I really, really appreciate it. Natasha, it's a, it's a pleasure. Um, I was going to say all our commercial property through uh, Clem Dobson Associates, um, like you, um, we're all over LinkedIn uh, under Greg Hunt, Clem Dobson, LinkedIn professional profile. And like you, if anyone has ever got any queries with regard to property management or commercial property investing, we're all here to help. Mm -hmm. I'm going to put the links to um, Greg on LinkedIn below so that you've got that and you can get in contact with him and connect through LinkedIn. 
So thank you so much, Greg. Thank you, everybody, for listening to us today. I hope you've enjoyed this. If you have liked this podcast, don't forget to subscribe because this comes out every single Tuesday morning on your favorite podcast platform. And please leave a comment if you've loved it. Tell us what you like. Cannot wait to hear from you. So have a really good week, everybody, and I will catch up with you again soon.